Good morning. Catch Me If You Can is a movie Steel Spiel, Spielberg, Steven Spielberg directed uh, in 2002, and it's about a check fraud case from the 1960s based on the life of Frank Abagnale Jr. This guy, before his 19th birthday, successfully impersonated a pilot, an attorney, a doctor, among other professions, and uh, his primary crime was check fraud, which he passed two and a half million dollars of phony checks, uh, one in every U.S. state and in 26 countries. So it's a pretty interesting story to me, but partially because we as a society tend to affiliate success with wealth and money. And so here's this young man who appears from the outside to be incredibly successful because he's incredibly wealthy, but he's really just running for his life. And so he wasn't successful at all. It was counterfeit money, essentially, counterfeit checks. So when we look at our own lives, what must we have in order to feel or be successful in our own measure? How much more money, how much more acceptance and approval by others will it take? How much more freedom so that we can do whatever we want, whenever we want, in order for us to look at our lives and say, yes, I've, I'm successful. I've reached a point of success. Anytime we think that success is found anywhere other than faithfulness to God, it's like thinking that counterfeit checks are just as good as the real thing. It might work for a little bit, but eventually the truth will come out. And we all want to experience success in life. Uh, I'm not trying to dampen desire or ambition for success, but if we look for it anywhere outside of relationship to God in Christ, we'll end up with the equivalent of a bunch of useless paper. So we're in week eight of our Experiencing God study, and in this week, Blackaby says that we all must make adjustments in our life in order to obey God. It's a, it's a week focused on the fact that in order to go where God is calling us, we have to make adjustments. And that's really true. The gospel that Jesus preached was this. It's a really simple message. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is present now. It's available to all of us now. And then he said, repent and believe. And when Jesus said repent, that word means to change your mind, change your way of thinking. And I'd call that an adjustment. If you want to change your way of thinking, you have to adjust and so instead of trusting ourselves and our own way of doing things, we're called to trust God and follow his ways. We're called to live in the kingdom. That's what it means to live a life of faith. And we, talked, we started talking about this last week. We all live by faith all the time. Faith is not wishful thinking, nor is it a made-up goal. Uh, but faith is a communicated promise which we are sure will come to pass. This chapter that we started studying last week, Hebrews 11, begins with this. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you don't see. So faith is not blind. It is based on facts, and we're called to put our faith in the facts, and then our feelings may or may not follow. So that's a picture that we looked at last week. Our faith follows facts. Our faith doesn't make up the facts. Our faith is placed in the facts that God has revealed and our feelings don't get to define the facts either. In fact, they're evaluated in light of our faith. So we're going to continue our time in Hebrews chapter 11 today. 
And we're going to continue to see that the theme of this chapter is that faithfulness is successfulness. And if that's true, then what is faithfulness? That's the million-dollar question. That's what we ought to be pursuing daily with our lives. What is faithfulness, God? What is faithfulness right now? And the author answered this question last week by giving us some teaching and then illustrations. And this week, it's flip-flopped. First, he gives us illustrations, real examples from the lives of real people in history. And then he concludes with teaching, just in case we didn't pick up the point in the, in the stories. So let's look at some of these illustrations, and, and we're going to see marks of faithful living, marks of faithfulness in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. The first mark of faithfulness is faithful people are obedient no matter the cost. And what that means is, is that our yes is on the table. We already have the answer to the question without having the question. That our answer is yes, no matter what the question is. And we see this beginning in verse 17. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he, Abraham, to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. And Abraham considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received Isaac back as a type. So if you're familiar, if you're not familiar with the story, basically God told Abraham to sacrifice the son that Abraham had waited for God to give him for 25 years, the promised son. He told him to kill his son, and Abraham was on the path of obedience, taking his son up on the top of a mountain preparing the altar and tying his son down, even lifting up a knife to kill his son before God sent an angel to stop him. And now, and we knew it in Genesis, God revealed this to Abraham. This was a test. Did God, did, did Abraham love God more than he loved God's promises, more than he loved the benefits of trusting God, that, he, that God gave him a son, Isaac? Which did he love more? And Abraham passed the test. It's a hard story, but it also shows us how much we need Jesus because Jesus is the son that the heavenly father did not stop from being put to death on our behalf. He is the true Isaac, and we did receive him back from the dead. Isaac was as good as dead in Abraham's eyes once God gave him that command, but Jesus really did die for the sins of the world. So we don't get to choose, just like Abraham, we don't get to choose what faithfulness is. Whether it seems big or whether it seems small, faithfulness is chosen for us by God. So maybe for you that's databases and spreadsheets. Maybe that's living with difficult roommates or living with awesome roommates. Maybe it's serving unhappy customers all week or a difficult boss. Maybe it's rearing, chi- rearing children, dealing with toddlers or teenagers. Maybe it's morning sickness. Maybe it's driving home in rush hour traffic when you're the only sane driver that's on the road. Maybe it's praying for your coworkers. God is not surprised at your daily and weekly routines. He's sovereign in all of them, and he is defining faithfulness for us as we go. We get to ask the question, and we get to say yes 
no matter what the, the question is that he asks of us to obey, our answer is yes. And we get to just keep asking the question, God, what is faithfulness? And he will show it. He delights in his people being faithful. So why wouldn't he reveal to you everything that you need to know to be faithful? The second mark of faithfulness from this passage is that mistakes made in faith are really not mistakes. This is incredibly liberating to us. This whole unit, or uh, sorry, this whole study that we're going through is about hearing from God, um, doing God's will. And oftentimes it's like, well, I just don't know. I just don't know what God is asking of me. But mistakes made in faith are not mistakes. So what that means is we get to make decisions in faith even when we don't know 100%. And we can be sure that God is pleased with that. Because like we looked at last week, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And what that means is with faith, God is pleased. So verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, his sons, even regarding things to come. And if you remember the context of Isaac's blessing, he wanted to bless Esau, his firstborn. But Isaac was blind. And so Jacob and his mom conspired. He pulled a Frank Abagnale, basically. He was, a, he, was a, he was performing a con. He was tricking him. Jacob uh, tricked his father into believing that he was Esau. And so he put on this hairy... Uh, well, goat's hair on his arm, so that when his father f- heard his voice, it sounded like Jacob, but when he felt his arm, it felt like Esau, the hairy child. And this story shows us that after Isaac blessed Jacob instead of Esau, he was remorseful, but he didn't take back the blessing because he trusted that God was sovereign. And so, even though it felt like a mistake to Isaac, it was not a mistake to God. And from Jacob came Jesus. This is a way of God pointing to Jesus all the way back in the book of Genesis. And this is incredibly freeing for us because even when we don't hear God clearly, we can be sure that when we make decisions in faith, we please him. The third mark of faithfulness is that faith is sometimes counterintuitive. It's not what you'd expect, but nevertheless, it's true. Verse 21 says, By faith Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. So this time it's Jacob who's dying, and he's blessing his grandsons in this passage. And Joseph had two sons, and he wanted his firstborn to get the, the best blessing. And so he brought him to the right side of Jacob. But Jacob switched his hands. He gave his left hand to the firstborn and his right hand, which was the best blessing, to the secondborn. And this is the way that God works in Scripture. It's counterintuitive. It's not what you'd expect. So even at the end of Jacob's life, it was God who was defining faithfulness for him. It was God who directed Jacob to switch his hands, to switch the blessing. And so faith is counterintuitive. It's not for us to define. It's for us to accept. The fourth mark of faithful living is that faith is choosing to join God's story rather than choosing to join your story, culture's story, any other story. Verse 22 says, By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, 
made mention of the son, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. So here's Joseph, second in command in all of Egypt. And if you know much about Egypt, you know that they took death and burial pretty seriously. Even today, people are studying the Egyptian mummies uh, and how they were buried and all the treasures that they were buried with. And here's this guy, second in charge of the whole land, and he could have had this royal burial. He could have had prestige in Egypt, but he knew that God's will was to bring his people out of Egypt, to bring his people into the promised land. And so Joseph, under God's direction, said, I want to be part of that, even my bones. I, I want to count on God's promise in the future. Instead of accepting the cultural narrative and being buried in Egypt. So what influences your idea of success? Is it culture? Is it your past hurts? Your future hopes? We're all a mixed bag of influences, but what Joseph shows is that faithfulness is a choice. We can choose to join God in what he's doing and let him be the deciding factor. The fifth mark of faithfulness we see in this passage is that faithfulness is not fearing men, but it's in fact being affected by beauty. This is really interesting to me. Verse 23, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Don't all parents think that their child is beautiful? But unlike all the other parents of the Hebrews at this time when Pharaoh was threatened by the Hebrew slaves and how they were multiplying, unlike the other parents, Moses' parents did something about it. They were moved by the beauty of their child. And it seems like the author is implying there's something with the beauty of Moses that led Moses' parents to believe that God had a plan for his life and it wasn't to be thrown into the river. It was to be preserved. So they stood up for what was right. They stood up for what was beautiful. And really what was happening was they were letting God define beauty for them. They didn't fear men. They didn't fear the negative consequences of what if we get caught. They played their role. And they didn't know what would happen as a result of them playing their role. But God used them being faithful and playing their role to deliver his people out of Egyptian bondage. So we can play our role. We should be affected by beauty. And we should let the gospel, we should let God's word define what beauty really is for us. It's not for us to choose. God has described, he has defined what faithfulness is. The sixth mark of faithfulness is choosing the right and hard way. Not just because it's hard, but we're looking for a future reward. Beginning in verse 24, the author writes, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ, the suffering of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For Moses was looking to the reward. So Moses grew up in Pharaoh's household, but the author points out he chose to be affiliated with God's people. 
He didn't choose to enjoy all that was around him, the comfort, the security, the wealth, the prestige of being in charge. Moses wanted to be faithful no matter the cost. He wasn't looking for the hard way, but he was looking for the greatest reward. He was looking for real success. And like Moses, we find our greatest reward in God himself. Not in his blessings or his benefits, but in Christ himself. And the seventh mark of faithfulness here is not fearing men, but enduring. Faithful people don't fear men, but they endure. This is also really interesting to me. It says, by faith, Moses left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. I think that's really interesting because if you read the account of Moses killing a man in Egypt, uh, it says he was afraid when the matter had become known. And Pharaoh heard of this and he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled. And here in Hebrews, the author says that Moses left Egypt by faith, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. So I don't think that Moses was afraid of the wrath of the king, but he was afraid that his desire, his heart for God's people had become known and uh, that he'd be in trouble for it and that God wasn't through with his life yet. So he endured by going to the wilderness and he endured in the wilderness and it was in the wilderness that God met with Moses and that God changed Moses' life that Moses heard from God about how to deliver God's people, not on Moses' power, not on Moses' strength, but on God's. So before the burning bush, there was this endurance, this not fearing, and those are matters of the heart. And God wants to form our hearts to endure, just like he was shaping Moses' heart to endure. There's the eighth mark of faithfulness in this passage, that Moses obeyed and experienced God's deliverance. So people who are faithful obey, and in their obedience, they experience God's deliverance. Verse 28 says, By faith Moses kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land, and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. So faith is a matter of life and death, Obedience was a matter of life and death for Moses and for the Israelites, and it's still a matter of life and death for us today because eternal life is relationship with God, and that relationship is only possible through trusting the death and resurrection of Jesus. He is the perfect lamb whose blood keeps safe all who trust him. He's the Passover lamb. And so as we obey as we trust him, as we repent and believe, we experience God's deliverance in our lives. Both as we're justified, we, we're become, we become right with God, and as we're sanctified, as we continually change and become more and more like Christ, we experience God's deliverance. The ninth mark of faithfulness is doing what God said. Even though it kind of seemed silly, probably felt really foolish to them, in verse 30, it says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell after they'd been encircled for seven days. I really believe that faith calls our pride to the altar, calls our pride to come and die. 
Because faith is never about us. It's never about what we can do. Faith is always about God and what he can do and what he has, in fact, promised to do. So faith is doing what God said, even though it feels foolish, even though it doesn't seem, doesn't seem right to us. Faith is doing what God said. The 10th mark is aligning your life with the right people. Verse 31 reads, By faith Rahab the harlot, the prostitute, the promiscuous woman, she did not perish along with those who were disobedient at Jericho. But after she'd welcomed the spies, after she'd welcomed the spies in peace. So these, these men came to Rahab and she welcomed them because she feared God. And like Rahab, our relationship with each other, our relationship with people shows how, what we believe about God. And there's so much more. There's, if you want to be encouraged, if you want to know what faithfulness is, just go to Hebrews 11 because the, the 11th mark of faithfulness is this, is, this is not an exhaustive list. He wants us to read the rest of the Old Testament. He says, what more shall I say? Time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. So faithfulness is always success, but faithfulness does not always feel like or look like success from the outside, from our vantage point. But from God's vantage point, the world was not worthy of these men, of these women. Faithfulness is always success. And so that's part one. Those are all the illustrations that he gives us. And then he concludes with this really clear teaching. And it's a really short teaching compared to the first part. Verse 39, he says, All these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So I find this interesting. In verse 40, he says that apart from us, these men and women of old, these approved people of faith, would not be made perfect. So why, why apart from us? It's because he's saying that together with us, they would be made perfect. And why us? I mean, what do we bring to the table? Well, 
It's, it's really nothing. It's that the us is representative of those who know Christ. After Christ has come, God provided that something better. In verse 40, God provided something better for us. It's because he provided Jesus. And all these men and women of old, throughout the Old Testament that we looked at today and last week, they were all pointing ahead to Christ, who is the beginner and the finisher. That word perfecter simply means consummator, the one who brings to completion our faith. So whether you're looking to start a walk of faith with Christ today, or whether you're looking to end your life well and to finish well, Jesus is the one that we look to if we want to be faithful. Faithfulness is success, and you cannot be faithful apart from reliance on Christ, apart from the person of Jesus. He is the one we put our faith in, not the process, not the results. It's in him. So faithfulness is concluded by the author of Hebrews. Faithfulness is running this long race, and how we run is repentance and faith. So the long race is endurance. He pointed to that in some of the people's lives, in Isaac and Jacob, as they died, as they blessed their future descendants. And, and Hebrews 12 says that we are to run the race with endurance. Faithfulness is running the long race by repentance and faith. Repentance is laying aside everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And faith is fixing our eyes on Jesus. So faithfulness to anyone or anything other than Christ is going to result in counterfeit success. You might feel a rush, a thrill, but it won't last. We've got to be looking for a, re a reward that lasts. And that's found in faithfulness to Jesus. So what set of facts have you been hooking up your rail car of faith to? We've all been hooking up to something this last week. What set of facts have you been hooking up to? Even if it's your own self-defined set of facts. Faithfulness is very tangible. It's very practical. So by faith, you can trust that God is working the difficult things in your life out for good whether that's a job you don't enjoy or a difficult family relationship, by faith, you can trust that God is working those things out for good because he's promised that. If you're single, by faith, you can pray for your future spouse. You should pray for your future spouse if you desire to be married. By faith, you can trust that God is the author of your life, the perfecter. He will bring your life to the proper finish. By faith, you get married. By faith, you can pursue your spouse, even when it's difficult, even when you're miscommunicating and you're not connecting. By faith, you can pursue your spouse. You're called to. By faith, you can raise your children in the fear and the knowledge of God. Not that the results are all dependent on you, but you can trust God with your kids. By faith, you should and can, we're called to pursue a deeper relationship with him. By faith, we can invest in the lives of people and carry out that great commission that Jordan prayed about this morning. 
we can carry out the Lord's command to make disciples by faith and by nothing else. By faith, you can work unto the Lord in whatever vocation you're in, knowing that you'll receive a reward from him. By faith, you can enjoy life. We're called to enjoy life as a gift from God. But you can't really enjoy life apart from faith. By faith, you can finish well and point future generations to the person and work of Jesus. But know that without faith, it's impossible to please God because God desires faith in every part of our lives. And we all fall short. We all need repentance to come alongside of our faith. Repentance is changing our mind, turning from self to God. And in order to trust him, we must repent. And not just once when we accept Jesus into our heart as Lord and Savior. Absolutely, you need to repent then, but we also need to keep repenting, keep believing. And he will keep showing himself faithful. We don't get to choose what faithfulness is. God is the one who gives the assignment. And Blackaby talks a lot. He gives, we talked about this in my small group. He gives really amazing examples of God proving himself faithful. And those are good. But every assignment that God gives you from your work Tuesday to your dinner Thursday, every assignment that God gives you is God-sized. Every assignment that he gives you is an opportunity to exercise faith. Every assignment that God gives is something that only he can do. You can experience him in the midst of daily life. Let's pray together. As the worship band comes up, uh, talk to God about your life and what you're trusting him for. What would it mean for you to throw off everything that hinders you and to fix your eyes on Jesus? Commit to being faithful to him.